It's good to see so many people here. Start off the new year, as John said, a great way, again, to start off the new year, you know, by committing to a Bible study. We'll talk a little bit about that, actually, in this morning's sermon. But let's pray first and uh, continue to ask for God's blessing on our, on our time together. Lord God, it's so, so awesome to worship you this morning, to sing those songs of you realize how awesome and powerful you are. And thinking about our congregation, Lord, how you fight for them and how you fight for each and every one of us who is your child. I pray, Lord God, that you would speak to us through your word this morning as it's read and as it's expounded upon. And that you would show us, Lord God, how to fight for you, to seek after you. Show us what that means, Lord God, in a, in a very personal way. And I pray this and thank you for our church most importantly, thank you for your love towards us. And it's the name of your son, Jesus Christ, we pray. Amen. We'll open your Bibles this morning to the Gospel of Matthew, verse 25. We're this month, before we get back into our study in John, which will begin at the end, of, probably the end of this month, we're going to focus a little bit about, well, not a little bit, we're going to focus on the purpose of, ch- of our church. We, we're having, it's perfect for membership class that we're going to start next month and and really over the next four weeks we'll have one week of a break we're going to talk about what is renaissance church what is the purpose of our church why do we exist and you'll see how that plays into your own personal relationship with the lord as i was studying i looked up the word purpose and i think that's going to come up and i want you to to remember this definition of purpose as we go through the study this morning. The word purpose means this. The reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Again, the reason for which something is done or created or for which something exists. Everything in our world has purpose. Everything in our world is, you know, whatever we can think of was created for some reason, was created for some purpose in God's creation. What is that? And sometimes we even think of ourselves, what is my purpose? What is and what am I supposed to be doing in life? Do I have a purpose? And more importantly, and related to our topic this morning, why do churches exist? What is the purpose of church? And specifically, why does our church, Renaissance Christian Church, exist knowing these things helps us stay on target when we have purpose and focus knowing this helps us strive forth towards a certain goal and again once we find out the purpose of our church collectively that's what we're going to do this morning we can then ask ourselves how do we as individuals fit into that purpose so renaissance church has a purpose to exist And each and every one of us has a purpose within the body of Christ. And specifically, we're going to apply that to our church. As I said, over the next month, we're going to talk about this. So the purpose of Renaissance Church, there's three reasons that the pastors, me and David and John, I don't remember how long ago it was, maybe five, six years ago, kind of simplified the purpose of our church and then presented it to the staff and kind of massaged it. And this is what we came up with. And this is the purpose of our church. And again, as you're going into membership or thinking about joining our church, 
these are the things that you need to agree with to be part of our church. And obviously, I'm going to say that I'm going to demonstrate this from a biblical standpoint of why or how these things are important to us. So the purpose of Renaissance Church is this. Number one, it's seeking God. And we're going to expound upon that this morning because that's the title of this morning's message, Seeking God. The second one is serving others. And the third one is sharing the gospel. Now, we have that out front. We have it on our bulletins. We have it on our website and everywhere so that you know what the purpose of Renaissance Church is. And it's short and sweet so you can remember what's the purpose of Renaissance Church, seeking God, serving others, and sharing the gospel. And we're going to do three sermons over those things, expounding upon those. And this morning, we're going to talk about seeking God and what that means. So in order to find that, let's turn to Matthew chapter 6, if you're not already there, starting in verse 25, where Jesus is speaking to the crowds about worry and anxiety, things that are taking their, that they're not supposed to be focused on. Instead, he wants to give them something to focus on, focus their attention, on, give them purpose. And in that, we could find our purpose at Renaissance Christian Church, and again, yours individually as a believer. So let's read this, verses 25 through 33, a very famous part of the Beatitudes. And it says this, or excuse me, the Sermon on the Mount. And the Lord says this, For this reason I say to you, do not be worried about your life. Right? Don't focus on worry, worrying about things in your life. He's going to give them something to focus on instead. As to what you will eat or what you will drink, nor for your body as to what you will put on. Is not life more than food? And the body more than clothing. Again, the Lord's going to give them something to focus on. Don't focus on, he'll say in a few moments, and more specifically, on food and clothing and what to drink. It consumes too much of our time. Instead, he says, look at the birds of the air that they do not sow, nor reap, nor gather into barns. And yet your heavenly Father feeds them. And are you not worth much more than they? And who of you, by being worried, can add a single hour to his life? I love that. Think of that. Of all the times that we've worried about something, has that made our life better? Raise your hand. I didn't think so. And why do you worry about clothing? Observe how the lilies of the field grow. They do not toil, nor do they spin. Yet I say to you that not even Solomon in all his glory clothed himself like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which is alive today and tomorrow is thrown into the furnace, will he not much more clothe you? You of little faith, do not worry then, saying, what will we eat? What will we drink? And what will we wear for clothing? For the Gentiles eagerly seek all these things. For your heavenly Father knows that you need all these things. So if we get to the last verse there, again, he's saying, hey, those that aren't God's children... Those outside of of God's purposes, they focus on food and clothing and drink, things that really don't matter in life. God's going to provide those things for you. Those things get you off focus. They take you off your aim and what you're striving for. Don't strive after those things. God is going to provide those things. Just think of our own culture, how focused we are on food and clothing and drinking People are consumed with those. That's the only thing they think about. I got to go to the mall. I can't wait to go to the mall. I'm going to do, you know, a blog and Instagram about clothing and makeup and food and drinking. 
Our culture is consumed with that. Don't focus on that. But so what should we focus on? Verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And all these things will be added to you. So he's saying, don't focus on these things. Your purpose in life is for food and clothing and drinking. It is for what purpose? To seek the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So let's define this. What does he mean by seeking for God? What does it mean to seek for God? We're not talking about, hey, God's lost and you have to go find him. You know, like if you lose your child in the clothing store, the department store, you're looking for them because they're lost or you lost them, whatever the case may be. Did we lose God? Is God lost that he needs to be found like a human being? Is that what it means to seek God? It doesn't. Seeking God means to aim for or to strive after. So you're aiming for God. You're striving after God. You see him. He's in, he's in full view. It's something to aim for and to strive after. That word seek in the Hebrew is used in the Old Testament meaning to worship. When it says to seek after God, it's saying to worship God, not look for him and find him because he's lost, but to worship him, to put all your energy, all your focus on God. Think of our culture, if this is true about your life, if you put all your focus on God instead of all the other things that consume our time, whether it's work or hobbies or sports or, or you know, shopping, like I said, or food. What if our total focus was just on seeking after God? How transformed would you be? Would I be? Would our church be? Would our culture would be? So the word seeking God, again, means to aim or to strive after or to worship. So, again, we're talking about our focus and our concentration, our entire purpose. We should be absorbed in striving after God. I thought as I was thinking of this, I thought of, not that I've ever done this, but archery. So there's a target right there, right? And it's not like they're looking for the target. They know where the target is. And their whole focus and their whole aim is to hit that target. And they get more rewards if they hit the center of that target, right? You've, how many of you played, have arch, done archery? Did it play archery or do archery? or What's, what's it called, Tom? <laughs> Shooting. There you go. How many of you shot a bow? Yeah. I was thinking of uh, Napoleon Dynamite. Anyways, if you know it, sorry. <laughs> but, he, you know, you're focused on that. You, you, nothing's going to get you off focus. Right? You're focused right on the middle, and you're aiming, you're aiming for it. You know what the target is. This, this is, I think, kind of, I hope, helps you understand what we're talking about. You see God. You know where God is. You're already saved, but you're so focused on him and, and going dead center for the ultimate reward in God. That's what I want you to think about when we're talking about seeking. So what are we to seek? What does it mean to seek after God? Here in our text in Matthew six thirty three, there are two things that we will define and what we're supposed to be seeking after. Okay, so it's seeking the kingdom of God. That's what Jesus said, right? In first or in Matthew six thirty three. But first, seek, focus, strive, worship your total energy, your whole total purpose is seeking the kingdom of God and seeking God's righteousness. So those two things we have to define, because what is the kingdom of God and what is his righteousness? So let's look at that next. So seeking the kingdom of God uh, simply means growing in our relationship with God. That's what we're going to talk about. 
when we say seek the kingdom of God, so it's not that God's lost and we need to find him or the kingdom of God is lost and we're waiting around for it. The kingdom of God is here in our midst already. The kingdom of God has been inaugurated at Christ's first advent and it will be consummated, meaning fully experienced at his second coming. But yet we're still told to seek the kingdom of God. So what exactly does that mean? And quite simply, as I said, it means growing in our relationship with God. The kingdom of God is not right now geographical. It's not over here. It's not over there. Remember, it's in our midst. Right now, it's more in a spiritual sense. One day it will be physically here. But right now, it's spiritually here. So what does that mean? It means it's his rule and his dominion that we seek after. His rule and his dominion to be ruled by God. To, you know, we in the Lord's prayer with it, you know, it asks for God's kingdom come, your will be done. He's asking for God's rule, God's dominion to be over himself. And so that's what we're saying is we want God's rule in our life, God's dominion over, over us. Again, it's that growing in our relationship with God. We should be growing in our obedience to God, which is called sanctification. Now, let me give you an example. Of this is a great example uh, given to us by the Apostle Paul in Philippians chapter 3 in verse 8. So turn there with me in your Bibles. <coughs> Philippians 3, starting in verse 8. And, I, and I'm also using this because I want you to see that we're not talking about salvation. We're not like seeking after salvation. You're, you're already saved because here in Philippians chapter 3, the Apostle Paul is a believer. He's speaking to the Christian church. So he wants them to grow in the relationship with God, grow in allowing God's rule and dominion over them. That's how we grow. And look at what he says in Philippians 3, starting in verse 8. He says, more than that, I count all things to be lost in view of the surpassing value of, look at this, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For whom I have suffered the loss of all things and count them but rubbish so that I may gain Christ. Now, he's not talking about salvation because he's already a believer. He's talking about gaining him in a more intimate way, knowing him more in his relationship. So I want you to understand that as he's talking about that. That I may gain Christ and may be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own derived from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ the righteousness which comes from God on the basis of faith. Continuing on, look at verse 10. That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering, being conformed to his death in order that I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. Again, he's talking, and we can't go into this too much, that intimate relationship that he has with God, that he wants to know more about him. Right? We can never know people enough. There's always more things that we're discovering on a daily basis. Think of how gigantic our God is, how much more we need to learn of him and know about him. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. I'm striving after that, to know him more. Verse 12, he goes on, not that I've already obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on so that I may lay hold of that which is also laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Brethren, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind me and reaching forward to what lies ahead, I press on towards the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. You, you get a sense of him 
seeking after God, striving, aiming, worshiping for God. He's wanting to strengthen his relationship with God. Look at what he says. Let us, therefore, as many as as are perfect. So he's already talking to believers who are perfected in their salvation. They can't add to their salvation, but you can add to your relationship with Christ. You think of think of it like this. Those of you who are married, can you be more married than you are? No, you're married. You can't be more married. But can you know your spouse more? Yes. Can you become more familiar with them and all that they do and all that they love and all that they desire? Yes. That's what we're talking about. You're saved. You can't get saved, like be more saved, if that's a word. Saved er, you know. Saved to the utmost. You know, you're saved, you're perfected, but you can grow in your relationship with Christ and understanding who Christ is and loving him. I mean, the worship songs, I hope they give you a sense, especially that last one we sung, of God's love for you. You know, John did a great job of talking about mountains and I like the illustration of, you know, going over the wall, the stone, if you guys caught that. Great job, John. I like that. But those things kind of give us an understanding of how deep the Father's love is for us. And, that's what the, and this is what um, Paul is saying here in Philippians. I want to know that more. I want to get to know them more or get to know the Lord even more. And I like what he says here because for believers, that should be your goal. That should be your desire. And if you don't have that desire, look what the Apostle Paul says in verse 15. Again, let us, therefore, as many as are perfect, have this attitude. And look what he says. If in anything you have a different attitude, so if that's not your attitude, God will reveal that also to you. See, as we, for us as believers, we should have the attitude of wanting to know God more. And if you don't, why not? That's the time to examine yourself. Why don't you want to know God more? I can't answer that for you. You have to answer that. And this is what the Apostle Paul is saying. God will reveal that to you also. So this is what it means to seek the kingdom of God, to know God more, grow in your relationship with God. So seeking God means seeking God's kingdom, which means growing in your relationship with God. That's the purpose of Renaissance Church. We want to aid you in that. That's why we believe we exist and that's what we focus on. And we'll talk about how that plays out in ministry on a daily basis in a few moments. So going back to our text now <clears throat> in uh, Matthew six thirty three. So, but seek first his kingdom. And here's the second one about seeking God, his righteousness. So what does that mean? I have it growing in our imitation of God. Growing in our imitation of God. So we want to seek God's dominion and rule over us, but we also want to become more like God. And that's what I mean by imitating God. We want to be more like him. The righteousness of God is talking about God's character. We're supposed to seek after his character and know his character more and emulate that in our own lives. God is holy. God is perfect. God, is, God always does what is right. So when we seek after God's righteousness, we're talking about growing and doing what is morally good. Living a moral, righteous life. It's doing good works. It's doing all the things that, we, that God does that we are able to do. 
So as believers, we don't just become believers and say, hey, I'm saved, I'm perfect, that's it. I don't have to do anything else. In one sense, you don't for salvation, but if you are saved, then you grow. Then you exhibit godliness, righteousness. Hopefully you understand that. And let me show you a proof from Scripture why I say that. So as believers, again, we don't just get saved and we say, hey, I'm saved. I got my ticket to heaven. I'll see you guys uh, at the second coming. No. No. We're called to grow up. We're called to mature in our understanding of who God is. We're to grow up and mature in our holiness, and we're saved, again, for a purpose. Remember the whole thing that we're talking about, purpose. What are we saved for? And let me give you some things that we're saved for. We are saved with the purpose of being conformed into the image of Jesus Christ, according to Romans 8.30. You were saved not only to save from the wrath of God, that's number one, but you're also saved to be more like Jesus. So each and every one of us needs to examine ourselves, am I more like Jesus than I used to be? Am I growing? Is there progression in my life? Am I seeking God's kingdom? Am I seeking God's righteousness? Ephesians 2, I want to read this for you too. Ephesians 2 verse 10 talks about um, why we were created by God and eventually saved by God. I'll read that to you. Ephesians 2.10 says this, for we are his workmanship, we're talking about the church, you and me if you're a believer. We're his, we're his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for what? What does it say? For good works. We are created for a purpose for good works, which God prepared beforehand so that we would walk in them. When we were created and saved by Jesus Christ, he saved us with a purpose to do something. I used this analogy a few weeks ago. If you're on a baseball team, you're on the baseball team to play your part, to do something, not just to sit on the bench and wear the uniform and say, I'm on the team. Everybody has their part, and that's true in the family of God and in our church. Everybody has their part to do good works, and and we'll talk about that next week when we're talking about um, serving others. And For now, we're just focusing on growing in our imitation of Christ. In Matthew chapter 5, going back to the Gospel of Matthew, if you look at verses 13 through 16, Jesus in this same sermon talks about the aim of our good works. Now, we're not just saved to do good works for the, sakes of, the, for the sake of it. We're doing good works for a purpose. Every, our Lord is very purposeful. He wants us to good, do good works for what reason? Look at Matthew Five, verse 13 through 16. He says, you are the salt of the earth, but if the salt has become tasteless, how can it be made salty again? It is no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under foot by men. You are the light of the world. A city set on a hill cannot be hidden, nor does anyone uh, light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on the lampstand, and it gives light to all who are in the house. Let your light shine before men in such a way that they may see your good works and do what? Glorify your Father who's in heaven. God saved us. Give us good works so that we may glorify Him. It's all about Him. We don't do good works to say, 
hey, look at me, look how good I am, or look at what I did. No, we're doing good works out of thankfulness, and hopefully people will see those good works and see how great God is because of the good works that we do. There is purpose in all that God does. There is purpose in the reason why God saved each and every one of you who was saved. Again, we are saved for a purpose to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ, to do good works, to glorify God. So that's what it means to seek after the righteousness of God, to imitate our Lord Jesus Christ. Again, not for the sake of imitation, but to glorify him. So again, we need to ask ourselves, am I glorifying God with my good works? We know our bad works don't do it, right? But our good works, our daily life, are we glorifying God with all that we do? So the righteousness of God, again, is growing in our imitation of Christ. So we know the target. The target is to seek God, which means to seek the kingdom of God and seek his righteousness. Now the question is, so how do we do that? What's the practical, you know, one, two, three steps in our life? Well, let's go to the Bible, obviously, in Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. And let's look at the example of the early church and see how they did it. And obviously, that's what we want to emulate. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 42. So in Acts chapter 2, the church is starting after Jesus has been resurrected and gone to heaven. The Holy Spirit has come down upon the church. And this is a description of how the early church functioned. And I think it's a great example to us of what it means of how do we seek God. So starting in verse uh, 42, so the people get saved in verse 43. And then it says, and they were continually devoting themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. So there's four things right there, for those of you who like to make lists, that the early church devoted themselves to and how it played out. So how did they seek God? They devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings, right? They didn't have the New Testament. They had the Old Testament, and now they have the teachings of the apostles that they had heard from Jesus Christ. So they had the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. That means being communion with one another. The breaking of bread, again, fellowship and communion, the Holy Communion as well, and to prayer. Those were the four things that they did. And here's the result of that. Look at verse 43. And everyone kept feeling a sense of awe, and many wonders and signs were taking place through the apostles. And all those who had, believe, who had believed were together and had all things in common. And they began selling their property and possession and were sharing them with all as anyone might have need. Day by day, continuing with one mind in the temple, breaking bread from house to house, they were taking their meals together with gladness and sincerity of heart, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who were being saved. That is a summary of what the early church did. That's how they sought God. So looking at their example, we want to do those same things. We want to continually devote ourselves to the study of God's word. You see, that was the very first thing that they had. 
They continually devoted themselves to the apostles' teachings. Guess what? We have those teachings right here in the New Testament in the letters that the apostles wrote. So we can do that very same thing. And that's how we seek after God by reading scripture. It's very simple. There's there's that's the primary way of learning about God, learning anything you need to know about him is by reading this. So number one, guess what? if you're not reading this, how are you going to know about God? So we continually devote ourselves to the study of God's word. First of all, we do it corporately. That means Sunday morning, what we're doing right now. Every Sunday morning, we will study God's word. Hopefully you don't get my opinion. Whoever's up here's opinion is you get God's word. We want to look in God's word, want to see what it says. How do we apply that to our lives and bring honor and glory to God? So corporately, we our church exists to seek after God. We do that on Sunday morning and we do that in our Bible studies. So, you know, we um, on Tuesday the young adults is going, we're going through the apostles' teachings. We're going through Second Peter. For those of you that are coming and haven't read it yet, Second Peter chapter 1, that's where we're going to begin. Wednesday, the women are going, I should know this because my wife's involved in this, and she's probably told me a number of times, don't tell me. She was going to tell me. They're going through a, a, one of the Gospels. I got a, <laughs> Mark, yeah, I was just about to say that. <laughs> Mark, I, was, I had a one in four shot of getting it right. They're going through the gospel of Mark, and they go through the scriptures and talk about it. Thursday nights, Revelation, right? Friday, every other Friday when youth group is on, they go through the, they go through the scriptures. Sa- Saturday mornings, the men's group, they go through what was taught on Sunday, and they just, they, they, I loved it. We had a great time this Saturday of just asking questions. What does that mean? What do you think it means? Let's talk about it. Back behind us in the, in the children's ministry in junior high, they go through scripture. So we do that. We teach the Bible here at our church. That the day that we stop teaching the Bible is the day you should all get up and go find another church. Uh, if you just get up here and get entertained, which you won't, but you'll just just leave. If you want to be entertained, this is not the church for you. I'm I'm not an entertainer. Uh, I I would like to think I'm a teacher of God's word. And if you get entertained, great, because of. Uh, me making a fool of myself or whatever the case may be. So we continually devote ourselves to the study of God's word. That's how we seek God. That's how we know about him. That's how we seek the kingdom of God. That's how we seek his righteousness by learning about him corporately. We also encourage you guys individually to study God's word. You, you can't live on just a teaching on Sunday or going to Bible study once a week. You, at least I know in the women's study, they have like they're devouring that text and they're they should be going through it every day, not like cramming it in on Wednesday afternoon before they go to Bible study. But daily, you should have a daily routine, which includes reading and studying God's word. And if you don't, why not? Are you too busy seeking after other things? Are you striving after other things? Why are you not striving after the kingdom of God and his righteousness? So how do we seek God by by continually devoting ourselves to the study of God's word corporately and individually? So our purpose as a church, let's just recap all this. Our purpose as a church, Renaissance Church, Christian Church, we're just talking about our church to exist. 
is to seek God. That's what we're here for. So we want to help each believer grow in their relationship with God, which is the seeking the kingdom of God. And we want to help each believer grow in their imitation of Christ. So that means your maturation, you're maturing in Christ. We want you to grow closer to Christ, not only know about him, but be more like him. That is our purpose as a church to seek God. So what's your part in fulfilling the purpose as a child of God and as a member of the church? Because you have your part, right? I mean, we can, you know, lead a horse to water in a sense, but we can't make him drink. Have you heard that before? We can provide, we provide Bible studies, we teach God's word, but you have your part, and each and every one of us has our own part that we have to play in this first seeking God. And what is that? Well, it's committing yourself to seeking after God. You have to be committed, and if you're not, why not? Remember the Apostle Paul in in Philippians 3, he said, if you don't do that, then God will reveal that to you, and I pray that he does. Reveal that to you. Why aren't you involved in seeking after God every Sunday morning? Why don't you make attending church a priority? Each and every one of us needs to ask ourselves that. Is it like in my life, do you say, I know that Sunday morning we take everything gets out of the way because we are going to church. Church is the priority. If not, why not? And that's between you and God. Me and David and John, we could pray that you make it a prayer, but we're not going to be knocking on your door going, hey, it's time to go to church. I mean, I wish we had a church bus that we could, like, send around and pick people up. That would be cool. Does anybody want to volunteer? I think David has a license. We just need the bus. We just need a big church bus, like we're Baptists, you know, big Baptist church. Get the, what's that? Do you guys remember that song, 15 Kids in an Old Church Band? Does anybody an old Christian like me remember that? No one wants to raise their hand. That's okay. Whatever. (laughs) Thank you, brother. Thank you. So we want to say, commit yourself to seeking God. Make church a priority in your life. Does that mean, hey, if I miss one week, I'm a bad person? No, I'm not saying that. But I mean, is it like I go to church when there's nothing else going on? When my house is clean, uh, when I don't have sports, or whatever the case may be, you know, if my favorite team's not on TV, or whatever the case may be, why not? None of us, when we stand before God, you know what? My kid was the best whatever. Does that get me into heaven? No. It doesn't mean anything to God. Or, hey, I dress the best, or whatever that hobby is, that thing that keeps us from church. My house was the cleanest. Right? Isn't cleanliness next to God? Isn't that in the Bible somewhere? Thank you. Thank you. (laughs) It's in, like, 3rd Maccabees. No, I'm just kidding. I don't know. No, it's not. And, and I'm not saying, like, hey, Robert, you're judging. Well, I'm not judging. I'm just telling you what the Bible says. You can, and you want to argue with me afterwards, that's fine. Let's look at Scripture. And you tell me where it says anything about not making church a priority. Because it does. And Hebrews says, don't let us forsake the gathering of the brethren as some make a habit of doing. Do you make it a habit of missing church? Why? What does that benefit you? As your pastor, I say, stop missing church. You're not growing closer to God by missing church. So don't tell me you're watching it on TV because that's, that's not in here either. What did the early church do? They continually 
gathered together. And we're going to talk more about that next week, about serving others. It's done in community. There's no individualism in Christianity. So commit yourself to seeking God by making church attendance a priority in your life. Secondly, and this is, could be harder just because of all the different things that go on, I would say commit to attending a Bible study. Why? So that you can grow closer to God. I, I was trying to think of, of, of a comparison in this. Um, but just in any hobby that we have, you know, uh, whatever it might be, I'm just going to stick with archery because I went with that earlier. I don't know anything about archery. so. Uh, but if I wanted to learn about archery, what would I do? I would maybe talk to somebody that knows about archery. I would buy the, the right equipment. I'd maybe, you know, watch YouTube videos to learn about technique. Uh, maybe subscribe to an archery magazine. I'm sure there's one. There's like a magazine about everything. The point is I would do everything in my power to get better at it. That's the same with our relationship with Christ. It's not just coming to church on Sunday. Bible study. I mean, maybe listening to sermons from other pastors on, on the radio. We have so many opportunities to grow on a daily basis, to focus our time and spend our time in growing closer to God. Maybe it's even on YouTube. I mean, whatever the case may be, reading books about Scripture, reading church history, reading theology. Why? So that we can be, know Christ more and we can imitate Him more. That's why we do those things. Not for the sake of knowledge. I mean, nobody cares how much you know, right? Do you imitate Christ? Do you love God? And so all that to say is attending a, another Bible study can only help you in those areas. So if you can, commit to those. I mean, we have, for a small church, if you think about it, so Monday nights, we have a, a prayer night, which is open to everybody to come. And that's a great time to grow, too, where you're praying you're praying for the brothers and sisters, and that's probably more related to next week. But Tuesday night, if you're a young adult, I, I don't know where the cutoff is. I'm not a young adult, but I lead, so I get to be in it. I'm like a middle-aged adult, or maybe I'm an old adult. I don't know. There's that. If you're a woman, you're all invited on Wednesday. Uh, everybody's invited to the Revelation study uh, on Thursday. Uh, only junior high, high school on Friday. Sorry, everybody. And Saturday, if you're a, a man, come to the El Cerrito Cafe on Saturday mornings and talk about God's word. I think everybody's covered in some sense. And again, I know sometimes, you, you know, those days don't work for you. But again, that's just another opportunity. Are you striving for you're making an effort to do it? You're going to be absorbed in those things. Seek after, strive and aim for it. Uh, thirdly, everybody can do this. Commit to developing a daily habit of personal Bible study. Read God's word. Even like, like well, what does that mean? Study God's word. Well, it, it can mean a bunch of different things. If it's just writing down what you learned, just write it in a journal. I, I learned this about God or I learned that I should do this or shouldn't do that. That's simple. Or ask questions. What does he mean by that? What does that mean? And then look it up. I mean, there's so many things that you can do. Just do something and you will grow. I promise you. So those are the three things that we need to commit ourselves to in seeking God. So the church provides that. That's what we're all about. And we 
say you need to commit yourself to those three things as a member of this church. Attending church, make it a priority. Commit to attending a Bible study. And thirdly, commit to developing a daily habit of personal Bible study. And doing those things, you will grow in your understanding of who God is, your personal relationship with God, and you will grow in your imitation of Christ. That is our goal. That is what we are about, and I pray that's what you desire to do. Let's close in prayer. Lord God, we thank you so much for your word. Lord, how it speaks to our hearts. And Lord God, what's more amazing is that you know exactly what we need even today. There are so many things that distract us from you that that happen to each and every one of us in our own ways. I pray, Lord God, that you would help us to get rid of those distractions, to minimize those distractions, that, that none of those things would be a priority over seeking after you. And as we seek after you, Lord God, we will grow in our relationship with you we will grow in our imitation of you and most of all lord we will grow in our ability to glorify you for that's what you've called us to do good works for so that we may bring glory to you so we thank you for your word we thank you for this church we thank you for your favor that you've shown upon us that you've allowed us to exist for 14 now in our 15th year as a church I thank you for everyone that made it this morning, Lord God, and I pray that you would reveal to them where they need to grow in their life. And, they grow, and they're growing not for me or any of the other pastors, but for you. Because they love you and they've realized what you've done for them. And they want to live for you and glorify you. Help us to do that, Lord God. Help us to remember that every day. We thank you and we love you. And we pray all this in your name. Amen.